will put this question to you. Is it better to be alone in the dark and truly alone or to be alone in the dark with the knowledge that somewhere else in that dark something else is alive and moving? Think it over before you answer. To be truly alone in the dark would be a terrible thing. Oh my, yes. To be truly alone in the dark without hope of finding another soul, either hospitable or hostile. Why, that's just about the worst thing we can imagine. Entire belief systems stretching for eras of human development have arisen from the need to deny any such permanence. But then again, worse than the wondering would be the knowing. The knowing that yes, something indeed is out there. That tremble you just noticed, that stirring you just sensed, these are real things really happening. And attached to these is a being of the most absolute reality. And it is here in this same dark place and it is moving towards you. What would you do? What could you do? And if from that darkness came a voice whispering of things you could not understand, would you have any choice but to believe it? No, we expect not. And we expect that given this, you are perhaps rethinking your answer. Perhaps you are thinking they would not be so terrible, really, to be left alone in the dark. Well, too bad. No one is ever truly alone in the dark. There will always come a voice. Don't talk, just listen. Son, there is no hope, only mystery, wonder, and danger. Black Sun Dispatches on the Cinepunks Podcast Network. pull of gravity bay with bloodied victory as it seized him by his sweat dampened clothing and began to drag him from his purchase towards the infinite absence that stretched below but his fingers caught on the craggy surface of the landing the slide stopped though the dragging sensation did not abate completely terry no longer felt himself tipping towards oblivion he wrestled his way upwards Thoughts of many a gym class spent fruitlessly dangling from the pull-up bar, appearing to mock and torment him. Wheezing and groaning, first his head and then his chest cleared the crest of the landing. The purchase was rocky and rough, 
but Terry did not mind the pain in his hands or the cold sharpness against his chest. It was all a reminder that he was still here, that he was still living, that this sanctuary was really real. He kicked his legs the rest of the way over and flopped onto his back. Inhale, exhale, recognize one hurdle's completion, and then move on to the next. Terry finally picked himself up and surveyed his new surroundings. The ambient light from the recent procession of gods was fading, but he could still make out the cave mouth surrounded by the all-consuming blackness of the twilight world. What was a cave doing suspended in the air? Terry had learned to stop asking questions like that in a place like this. He carefully picked his way around the stone landing until he was certain there was nothing beside or around this lone outcropping of rock. There was nothing save the darkness and the cave, which meant there was nothing else for it but to go in. If there had been a time to reject this path, it was back below before he had jumped. He could have stayed where he was and let the dark consume him, but instead he had pressed on. Now he felt compelled to keep pressing on until the road literally halted beneath his feet. And maybe he'd keep on going even after that. Almost giddy with his own conviction, Terry breached the cave mouth. He kept one hand on the wall and slowly crept forward. It was warm in the cave, warmer air than he had felt since he and his former guardian Mustafa had been brought to this dark place. Mustafa had been swallowed by the cold black water, and Terry could only assume what remained of him still floated in that frigid bleak. But the air of the cave pulsed like hot breath, and sweat began to coat Terry's forehead and trickle down his spine. The atmosphere of the cavern was close, claustrophobic. It made his skin itch and his head throb. I am not afraid, he told himself. I have stood face to face with gods and gone toe to toe with demons. I helped kill the kaiju and I survived months in the pit. I've been hurt, yeah, but I'm still standing. I'm standing and I'm walking and I'll never quit because I am not a quitter. I'm a survivor. I'm a fighter. I'm tougher than anything this place can conjure, and I am not afraid. And a voice by his ear said crisp and clear, Liar! The voice was made of a thousand different voices, all buzzing and lapping over one another, like radio stations wrestling to break through static. But as Terry listened, the voices collapsed into one another, dying away until when the voice spoke again, 
it was one he knew. Hi, Terry. Mike? The name escaped his mouth before he could think better of it. No, of course it could not be his best friend, Mike. Mike took a bullet to the head the day they helped kill the kaiju, and that was months ago. His body had been left in the street to be picked at by carrying creatures or washed away in heavy rains. You're not Mike, Terry said. I never said I was, Mike's voice said back. But Mike did pass through here not too long ago. He did? Terry bolted upright, only to slam his head hard into the cave ceiling. Mike's laugh echoed all through the cavern around Terry. Pure joy, that sound. The little outbreak of giggles that signified the start of a really major fit, followed by the booming hysterics. Terry loved that laugh, and he loved being the cause of it. He could remember flying Mike over and between the buildings of the city, only to let his wings fold so they could both plummet. Mike's laugh had carried upwards like backwards rain, only to pitch up to a higher key when Terry banged them out of the fall and rocketed it off into a new direction. Terry's knees almost gave out. He had almost forgotten that sound, that pure joy. Rubbing his head, he tried to keep his voice calm. What do you mean he passed through here? Mike's dead, isn't he? Dead as doornails, man. You know that. Somehow, having the final sentence pronounced in Mike's own voice made it hurt all the worse. Old wounds tore open, and suddenly great gasps of grief were forcing their way up Terry's throat and out his mouth. His knees did give out this time, and like that, on all fours, all his exhaustion and loss came pouring out. He gave until there was nothing else to give. When Terry exhausted himself, he let his arms falter, and he went spilling to the cold floor of the cave. The darkness shifted around him. He watched as something boy-sized and boy-shaped crouched by his head. Hey man, the boy shape said, still in Mike's voice. You okay? Terry sat up and pulled back until he was braced against the curved cave wall. He could not hold on to the boy's shape for very long, for then its body would start to waver and stretch. But if he watched the area with unfocused eyes, he could just about pick out the shape. You're not Mike, he said again. I thought we established that, the voice said, in a tone that suggested its lipless mouth was smirking. Then who are you and why did you sound like him? And what do you mean he passed through here? Everyone passes through here, the voice said. It's the last stop, like they say. End of the line. You mean this is... Terry's voice was dry. He swallowed, started over. This is where you go when you die. This is where you pass through when you die, the voice clarified. Not everyone comes right away. Some wander. Some stray. But eventually, yes, all arrive and all pass through. Pass through what? Again, the laughter. How am I supposed to know? I'm sitting here with you. On this side. 
Terry realized that in his intense attempts at focusing on where he thought the shape was crouched, he had missed its actual motion. The shape now sat right beside him. He clenched his fingers and his toes and resisted the urge to run away. And, and what are you? He asked. The shape considered this. I'm not sure. I think all those travelers, all those souls, that much of anything can't be one place without leaving some kind of trace. Hey, that rhymed. I mean, even if it's just a tiny sliver or a fraction of a morsel, it accumulates. That's me, Terry. Um, all those scattered pieces shuffled into something like order. And what do you want? What makes you think I want anything? I wasn't even entirely aware of my own existence until you guys started popping up in here. First that hedge mage, then those two pretty girls, then you and your buddy. It's getting awfully exhausting keeping up, let me tell you. Well, sorry to be a bother to you, Terry snapped. Don't be shitty, dude, come on, the voice said. You gotta line up a little bit. You've been doing pretty well, blundering around like you have. Yeah, well, you try blundering through the dark for days on end and see how good a mood it puts you in. Blundering in the... Oh! The voice seemed to realize something. I thought you were just being kind of a klutz, but you can't see anything here, can you? Just a little bit of... What the hell are you talking about? Terry was too tired to keep up the polite conversation. This place is darkness and misery and death and more darkness. And that's it. No, Terry, the voice said. That's just how you see it. I can help with that. Terry felt hands. Small hands. Mike's hands. God, how could he ever forget those hands against his skin? press against his eyes and then the hands fell away and Terry gasped prismatic ecstasies into rainbows vibrating at pitches the human eye could scarcely hold. Terry saw. No. He beheld. Against this landscape, the distant dark water and the even more distant castle stuck out like aberrations, like cancerous growths leached deep into healthy tissue. The air pulsed around him with even bolder, deeper colors a hundred different streams of energy that thrummed and hummed as if with a heartbeat. He realized that these were the trails left behind by the gods in parade. My God, 
military heard his own voice, and just as quickly as it had appeared to him, the shining world began to fade away, darkness seeping back across his eyes like tar. Before long, he was once again adrift in the dark, with no company, save the thing with Mike's voice. It's pretty cool, right? Mike's voice said. Think of this place like a kind of... Like an in-between, I guess you could say. In-between what and what? Terry was still scanning the infinite dark, trying to will back the splendor he had only just had. In-between... everything, I guess? The voice said. It's unformed, unclaimed cosmic real estate. It's a well of unreality from which all reality spring. I think what it is, is that all humans have unconscious access to it, but normally, you people only drift here when you're asleep. Or on some heavy-duty mind-altering shit. Mind-blowing orgasms can also do the trick, but those are rare. Is this... How to compress this question down. Is this where God comes from? It would seem impossible to hear a shrug. But that's exactly what Terry heard. You're asking a lot of chicken and egg questions, my man. Maybe the gods started here? Maybe not. Maybe this place is God, in a sense? And all the other critters and creepers are just like parasites and drop-offs, falling off his or her or its hide. Don't ask me. I'm just a collection of consciousness scraps arranged into the form of your dead friend. Wait, Terry said. You said that humans only have access to this place through dreams or drugs or orgasms. Yes, don't forget the orgasms, Terry. I didn't forget about the orgasms. But if we can only get here through those methods, then what is that castle doing here? And those freaks in the war that kill Mustafa? The castle? I don't know. You don't know? That's what I said. But you... You've been here for forever. Yeah. And? So, how could you not know? You can't expect a guy to pay attention to every itty-bitty little thing that happens. Especially since, once more, for the cheap seats, I'm not a guy at all. Some death god dumped that castle here a few centuries ago. Just chucked it through a portal from his red world to this one. It was fun at first, a little change of scenery, you know? But... I don't think human shit is supposed to stay down here because then that castle started growing and the survivors started getting all, well, you and your buddy met some of their grandkids in the water. Those used to be people? Terry blanched. Not the current ones, nah. The last ones with any scrap of humanity in them, those died decades ago. These guys, they're a couple generations down. They don't even know what they fell from. <sighs> Man, I hate it when people are oblivious. It takes all the flavor out of a decent tragedy. You gotta pity them. I don't, Terry snarled. I'd kill every one of them with my bare hands if I could. I wouldn't even need my claws. I used to have claws. Yeah, dude. I'm aware of your memories. Why do you think this is the voice you're hearing? 
What are you all bent out of shape for anyway? They gave you a good scare, yeah, but you got through pretty unscathed. Unscathed? He wished the voice had a throat so he could have squeezed it. Those diseased fucks down there killed Mustafa. The only friend I ever had since you... Since Mike died. I don't know if you can sense that or whatever. I can, Terry. I was all alone. Terry went on, not listening. All alone, slowly turning into a monster in soul as well as body. Then Mustafa pulled me out of that and taught me that I could be better. Showed me that it was worth trying to be better. And then he got killed. Of course he did, right? That's what you get for sticking by my side. The voice was silent for a long while. And Terry began to wonder if it had departed. He ached to think that he had lost Mike's voice once again. But part of him was also relieved. It was a maddening taunt to have something so close to the lost and loved. And yet that something could never actually be what you had lost. Could never be something you loved. Yet that closeness could be enough to keep you, trap you. Deep down, Terry worried that he might never have left that cave of his own volition, not when he could quietly waste away with his false friend for comfort, until he grew delirious enough from exhaustion and dehydration that the lines between false and true folded and vanished, and he slipped forever from one to the next. Are you there? He called. I am said the voice. It no longer sounded much like Mike. It sounded like no one. Oh. Terry did not wish to voice his disappointment at the change. Why did you get so quiet? I was searching. Okay. Uh, what were you searching? The shape moved. It was no longer boy-sized. It was no longer human-shaped. The darkness of its body dwarfed the cavern dimensions. Within it was a dark deep enough to drown. The voice said, I am. I am all of them. Each of every. Alive within all death. I have never forgotten one. I can never forget any. I searched within my forever and I could not find him. Terry backed away, not wanting to take his eyes from the expanding vibration. He felt it more than saw it, felt its ambience reverberate his eyes within their sockets. Couldn't find who? he asked. The voice said, Mustafa, he is not among us. That's, that's not possible, Terry said. You can't mean he lives, Terry. Mustafa lives. The voice paused. And he is in agony.
Hey everybody, thank you for listening to another episode of Black Sun Dispatches, part of the Set of Punks podcast network. My name is Brett Foley and I write, produce, and perform the show. Uh, so yeah, so a bit of a cliffhanger there. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, tune in next week to find out uh, what happened with Mustafa, what happens next. Uh, and that will be the last episode until April. So yeah, hopefully you guys have enjoyed this little mini-series. And you'll enjoy the conclusion when it comes out next week on February 25th. Blacks and Dispatches, like I said, is on the Cinepunks Podcast Network, along with other great shows, including Cinepunks, Loud Fast Philly, Horror Business, The Mandate, Wine and Cheese. Uh, there's now a new podcast all about Alpha Flight, which is perhaps the nerdiest, most Canadian thing ever created by anybody, ever. So all, all good, all good stuff to listen to. The Cinepunks website has... Tons of great content, including all these podcasts and lots of great writing from great contributors. So get on that. Sponsoring for Cinepunk's programming, including this show, is brought to you by Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Really, really cool company. Makes some really, really cool clothing that I myself have quite a bit of it. So yeah, give them a shout out. If you want to be a sponsor of Black Sunday's Patches or other Cinepunk shows, please donate to our Patreon, which you can find on the website. The Black Sun Patches logo was designed by Jennifer Rogers, and music is Winter by E.L. Heath. So like I said, uh, this was episode 3 of 4, so tune in next week, like I said, on February uh, 25th for part 4 of 4. At that point, the show will go on a little mini hiatus, and then be back returning in April with a whole new run. So hopefully you guys uh, liked this one, and hopefully you'll like the next one. You can follow the show on Twitter at Black Sun Show. You can follow me on Twitter at the True Brendan F. That's at Black Sun Show and at the True Brendan F. And if you like the show, please rate and record it on iTunes. It helps spread the word. Uh, it's always really appreciated. So yeah, uh, see you guys then.